Welcome to the Never Too Early Fantasy Football Podcast, where it is never too early for fantasy football. My name is Jeff. I'm Alex. As always, thank you for downloading, listening, liking, and commenting on our podcast videos. Please join our community by subscribing to us on the socials. Our handle on all platforms is at N2E Fantasy. We are also available on all major podcasting apps by searching N2E Fantasy. Alex, what do we have on today's show? Today's show is the Week 18 uh, recap, and it is just covering up, wrapping up the season, going over each matchup, our thoughts on them uh, before going into the next episode. So we're going to get started and uh, reflect on these matchups. So let's get started on, on the first Saturday matchup, the Steelers at the Ravens. And Jeff, we both picked the Ravens, but that was before they announced just how many people that they were sitting. But I thought uh, they, Steelers they still had a shot. Yeah, I did too. And we both thought that they'd want to keep their division rival out of the playoffs. It just didn't work out that way. The Steelers won 17-10 to 10 in this one. Um, Jeff, what were your takeaways in this? So I think Harris has looked really good with Mason Rudolph at quarterback. And I know you um, alluded offline to stats with uh, Harris and Warren after Canada. But I do think that there's been another like break in the data, and that is when Mason Rudolph took over. Because if you look at the last three weeks, Harris has been the dominating back. He's been getting all the goal lane work. He's been getting roughly 18 to 20 carries a week, and he's been pretty dominant at the running back position the last three weeks. Um, I don't know where you rate him next year because Warren and Harris figure to be part of this roster. Um, but... Uh, what other stats do you have since Canada was fired on these two? So just to clarify and elaborate uh, on those two, since Matt Canada was fired, uh, so after week 11, Warren has outsnapped Harris 237 snaps to 208, but Harris has outcarried Warren 127 carries to 69. Harris has gotten all three goal line touchdowns, but Warren has ended up being more of the passing down back, so he's got more targets than then Harris, so 32 to 11. Uh, Najee finished as the 13th in yards over expectation, while Jalen finished third. So Jalen's the more efficient. I don't think that they believe that he can handle a full workload as a workhorse back. So Najee, for them, is the main running back. He's the bruiser. He's the one that wears down the defenses. Jalen's the change of pace when it comes to running back. He's also typically the, the third down back or the passing down back. So... It's just going to be interesting. That's probably how they're going to view them going forward, and I think everyone should just adjust accordingly. Yeah, let me just elaborate on what I said, and then we can kind of discuss a little bit what you said. But the last three weeks, Harris has went 19 for 78 in a touchdown, 27 for 122 and two touchdowns, 26 for 112 and one touchdown. So since Mason Rudolph has taken over, he is averaging over 20 carries a game. And I think that's a big deal. So that's something that we can't discount. Yeah, I think that's huge. Now, will that carry over to next year? Maybe, maybe not. I would say roughly the usage that I talked about, but kind of in between. So I would say maybe a little less than 20 carries, but definitely the primary ball carrier. Yeah, and I think he's someone that gets better with the game going on. And 
there's something wrong with Kenny Pickett in this offense because a back like Najee Harris should be running the way that he has been running with Mason Rudolph. And I think that is the main thing that points out the issue with Kenny Pickett as the starting quarterback of Pittsburgh. Where do you see Pittsburgh going at starting quarterback in uh, 2024? So I don't think that they'll necessarily get Pickett off their roster because he's got two more years left and then a fifth-year option, which they most likely won't pick up at this point. But they could potentially trade him. I would probably keep him. They'd probably move on from Trubisky, um, but keep Rudolph. And then if they have a chance, if there's multiple quarterbacks in this draft, if they have a chance to get one mid to late first, they might go after uh, Penix. They might go after Jaden Daniels. They might go after Bo Nix, someone like that. If they miss out on all of those guys, I could see them trading for a veteran like a Justin Fields. Uh, I know you have a particular veteran that you would like to get signed there. And uh, who is that, Jeff? So I think going back to like the Big Ben era, I believe that a guy like Carson Wentz fits that body type, the athleticism and the big arm ability of Ben Roethlisberger and could really open up that offense. And I would say that's my biggest complaint about a Kenny Pickett-led offense is the fact that the offense is not opened up and that it is just not... Um, it's just not it's not good and it's not producing fantasy players even with Harris and Warren it's really hard to know who to start each week with with Pickett in there uh, pick ins is not a fantasy option with Pickett in there <clears throat> and Deontay didn't become an option until Rudolph became the full-time starter now no where do am I saying that Rudolph is a starting quarterback in this league and I think you'll completely concur with that and as you said, Trubisky is probably the most likely odd man out here. He does have he does carry four point six million in dead cap next year, but that's kind of where I see them going. Yeah, I think he's gone. They bring in a rookie, most likely, and then they'll let it play out. Let let them see who wins out. But I think Rudolph will be the guy over Pickett. Um, if it's just between those two, but they're going to bring in somebody else, most likely. Yeah, I think um, I think George Pickens has really stuck out the last few weeks. And I think Deontay even stuck out this past week. And I think that makes them stick on the roster next year. Cause I think they're, I think they're a quarterback away. Is that weird to say? I mean, they're already in the playoffs with Mason Rudolph. I think offensively they're quarterback away. Yeah. I would agree with that aspect. I think defensively there's some holes there, but it's, it's those two roster wise. And then they're in the toughest division this year. So even the Bengals who, had no Joe Burrow finished with a positive record for first division in decades that every single team finished with it above 500 record. So it's the toughest division of football that's going against them. But Steelers, they're definitely a quarterback away from being competitive. Yeah. And I think the fact that all four of them were able to get over 500 just shows how stacked these rosters are like from top to bottom, because without Burrow, the Bengals were, went nine and eight without, pick it the Steelers were able to make the playoffs so and I'm not saying pick it the savior but they're on their third quarterback this year so and then Flacco with Flacco the Browns are are the number two team in the AFC right now technically speaking and uh and and we'll talk about where they ended up in their matchup later but the the all the, and then obviously the Ravens are the number one seed that goes without even speaking and I think Lamar has shut up every single critic out there speaking of Pickett, it's entirely possible that if they had 
started Rudolph. If Rudolph played, if he started, he played as well for the whole season as he's played the last few weeks. I think there's a chance that they could have pushed for the division lead in this tough division as well. So they need to find themselves a quarterback. Or if Rudolph has just showed up and he's going to be consistent for the rest of his career, great. But they are they're so close to being a top competitor. Yeah, I had them winning the division. And uh, that was on, in consideration of Kenny Pickett taking a step forward. And that didn't happen at all this year. And it's really funny because I got to call you out on this. But remember when Ray- Mason Rudolph got the starting job, you were like, oh, the Steelers are going to start their worst quarterback this year. And that was not true. And not only was it not true, it's a team that it's a team that is a little bit scary to play in the postseason. Well, I still think he's not the best quarterback, and I think he got the Christmas bump, and I think he played like there's no tomorrow, and he actually chunked the ball upfield, which is what the other two guys should have been doing. Yeah, but I think sure. I think ultimately he'll come crashing down back to earth. I don't think he's going to be a permanent starter in the league, and just because he had a couple good performances, I'm not going to just turn around and say, oh, I was wrong. I'm going to say, oh, he outperformed what I thought, and he's going to come crashing back down. It's just a matter of time. Yeah, but. it's just uh, it's kind of like another Josh Jobs situation. But uh, I don't have much else in this game. But obviously, Deontay, Pickens, Harris, they're all draftable next year. And depending on quarterback, will be where they go. And we'll start talking about rankings shortly and as we hit the new year. Okay, well, let's move on to the next matchup here. And that is the Texans at the Indianapolis Colts, the second Saturday matchup. And Jeff... You talked about me being wrong about Mason Rudolph. You picked the Colts here, and they lost to the Texans. I picked the Texans. I have to stay stay true to my team. I got it right. What did you make of the Colts in this one? Like they kept it close. They lost twenty three to nineteen, but your boy Gardner Minshew did not look good in this one. It seemed like it was the Jonathan Taylor show for Indianapolis. Like he was the only thing keeping them going. Michael Pittman didn't look that great in this one. Josh Downs. Had a couple grabs, but there wasn't much going passing-wise. Whereas C.J. Stroud had a pretty solid week. Uh, really accurate with uh, 20 for 26. Uh, 20 completions for 26 attempts. 264 yards, two touchdowns, zero turnovers. Uh, Devin Singletary had a decent week, but just not very uh, very efficient with the carries. Only averaging 2.6 yards per carry, but he got 63 yards and a touchdown. Nico Collins... 195 yards off nine receptions and a touchdown. A huge week for him. Um, what do you make of the state of these two teams? How do you feel about them now compared to before the season as well? And let's talk about the, the quarterbacks as well. So we'll start off with the quarterbacks. Obviously, Gardner Minshew is a free agent into this year. And I do believe he should be a bridge quarterback for a team next year. Where do you see Gardner Minshew going to potentially be a bridge starter? bridge quarterback pittsburgh would be an interesting spot there too yeah maybe but i think my team's only going to pick him up as backup i don't think anyone's going to pick him up as a starter and uh, i know that's unfortunate for you but i just don't think he's good enough to be a full-time starter i think he he played well earlier on in the season but as the season progressed people kind of figured him out and if if he was going to be a solid quarterback the previous three years he didn't really do that much so I would expect him to have gotten a, a chance before now if he was going to. I just think he's one of the top backups in the league. So he's always going to have a value, but I don't trust him to start an entire season. 
Yeah, so he was on his rookie deal the until last year. So last year was his first fight at free agency, and he went to a team that didn't have a quarterback. He didn't know they were going to get Anthony Richardson at the time. So I do think his goal is to try to start somewhere. Um, and a team that we had predicted to go for me three and fourteen, and for you to go four and thirteen, to go nine and eight and just miss the playoffs by one game. I think that does say that that has to be some contribution from the quarterback position to get them to that point. But before I go into any more of the Texans side of the house, cause I do want to switch gears to the Texan side of the house here only in the NFL. Can a team who lost to the jets, the Falcons and the Panthers make the playoffs and that, and also go to overtime with the Tennessee Titans can make the playoffs in a year and that would be the houston texans this year so they lost to the falcons the jets and the panthers in the regular season and still made the postseason so <laughs> it'll be interesting to see what happens uh in in their week one matchup with cleveland but uh i know you're a big stroud guy and i know stroud wasn't available in that first cleveland matchup where do you see in fantasy next year stroud going or quarterbacks do you see him as a qb1 a top 12 quarterback option or do you see him just outside the top 12 <laughs> he's a qb1 a top 12 quarterback <laughs> uh it's kind of difficult to pinpoint exactly where but i would say roughly around at least 10 so we'll we'll see he doesn't have the rushing upside as a lot of other guys so he'll he won't end up in the top five ever but i think that uh he he'll be more consistent and he'll have more weapons next year. So I like him. I think uh, he's a solid guy to probably target in the the middle rounds of your drafts. Yeah, I think um, for me, he's going to be just outside the QB one. I think I got him at QB 15 in my early initial ranks, but he's going to be in like the Brock Purdy, Jordan Love area of fantasy. And And before we bash those guys, those guys finished at five and six respectively this year. So that's like a, a pretty big deal. And then we always have Aaron Rodgers coming back this year. Uh, obviously I like him with a Garrett Wilson. So, and I think that that offense looks much different with Aaron Rodgers at the helm. Um, Kirk cousins finished QB 24 and he missed what half the season roughly. So it, a, it tells us where the quarterback position is and B it, uh, I do believe that he'll be back with the Vikings because the Vikings, I think make the playoffs with Kirk cousins. I think they knocked the, I think they knocked the Packers out of the playoffs in that last spot. But uh, just heading back over to the Texans and Colts game, Nico Collins for me, I know you mentioned that he had a big game. For me, next year, I'm completely buying in on him, which I did not buy on him, on him going into this year. So I am a believer now. He is a late second round, early third round pick for me in 2024. Um, he might even move up a little bit higher than that, but there's going to be some big alphas and running backs that go early in draft as they should and then switching over to the Colts I know we talked about this offline and I know we completely disagree on it but I believe that Goodson should have caught the ball I do agree that the ball could have been thrown better but it did hit the receiver in the hands but I put a lot of this on Shane Steichen and the fact that he called a fourth down call to a running back that was at best the third string running back going into the day maybe the fourth string behind Sermon. Um, and I just don't know how you put your season on the line with a third string running back that hadn't really gotten a ton of work until the last couple of weeks. And even if it was successful, which it was drawn up well, 
does Goodson know to fall down before the goal line? Does he score and give Houston a ton of time to be able to go and score again? Because he did have a whole bunch of green field in front of him after catch it, if he would have caught the ball. So I just think I would rather put it in like one of my veterans hands, kind of like Michael Pittman, Jonathan Taylor um, on that fourth down, even a quarterback sneak. Like if you can't get one yard rushing, the football like I just don't understand how you're in the NFL so I think Shane Steichen with that call kind of ruined any bid that he had to get coach of the year and uh I think it's a two-man race to get coach of the year I know there's people out there that are saying uh the other coach in this game D'Amico Ryans deserves it but no one will ever convince me otherwise with the Browns and Stefanski with starting four different quarterbacks losing their chub and still being able to be the second best team in the AFC um so anything that I missed on this one, Alex, I know you want to take a victory lap on the Texans. Also, you just covered a bunch of different subjects. So I just want to talk about it. Uh, one, we'll just go in reverse order here. Kevin Savansky absolutely deserves the, the coach of the year award. And I'm saying that as a Houston Texans guy. So I, I think what he's done is phenomenal. And you mentioned, you know, without the arguably the best running back in the league, pure runner in the league, Nick Chubb with, going to four different quarterbacks, actually five if you count Driscoll. So uh, the fact that they clinched the fifth scene, they easily could have com- competed for potentially the number one seed, just like the Steelers, just like uh, the Ravens actually did this year. So that whole division is going to be super tough forever, and uh, he deserves the award. Um, so the previous one, which is good, the Goodson drop, it was a bad throw for Minshew. Like, you can question the call. But that's only because they didn't get it. If they got it, it, it would look like geniuses. They should have ran up the middle with Taylor, but Taylor was kind of playing a little bit banged up, which he did really well for playing banged up. If the ball was thrown a little bit higher up uh, or a little bit leading the the running back, he wouldn't have had to catch it in an like try to catch it in an awkward turning position. He would have been able to catch it in stride, get the first down, maybe more. So I think Minshew just played sloppily, and it's not necessarily him per se by himself it's the the defense was able to harass him and make him nervous so it's a, it's a little bit of both but is that the play that i would have called no but is could that play have worked i think it could have so it, it's a little mixed there and i'll just say also for Minshew, i mean you're giving him a lot of kudos for for this season but prior to this season he had I believe an eight and sixteen record as a starter. He's he's not a starter in this league, and I think that Shane Steichen has made him look like he could have been a starter in this league. So I think a lot more credit goes to the coach. But as far as the execution, I think Minshew did a tremendous job for the situation that he was in, and with his limitations, I think that this is the best that you're going to get out of him. And for some teams that might have a little bit more roster talent, it may be worth it for them to go after him because I, I think that if he has more talent around him you should maybe do fine as a starter. But I don't think the Colts roster is that that talented, and I think that they overperformed due to coaching is my, my thought. But I, I'm just enjoying the ride with the Texans. I think that uh, C.J. Stroud is a phenomenal young quarterback. I like D'Amico Ryans a lot. It's one of those cases where so far year one, hiring your uh, one of your team legends actually has worked out. So I like that aspect as well. So... I'm just going to enjoy the ride, and uh, I think the Texans have a good chance to be the, the Browns next week, but we can talk about that in the next podcast. Absolutely, and we can move on. Some of our other games will have more quick hits. 
and we can move on to the Falcons at the Saints. We both got this one right with the Saints. Um, Bijan finally shows up when it doesn't matter. Uh, but Arthur Smith did get fired after this game, and we'll cover that more in the news in a little bit. Um, and then the Saints scored up, scored a late touchdown to run the score up, and that causes a stir. And apparently Dennis Allen asked them to take a knee, and Jameis Winston and the team overrode him and uh, ran a scoring play touchdown to Jamal Williams, who had zero touchdowns on the year after leading the league in touchdowns last year. So I kind of understand where Jamal Williams was coming from there. Um, so what are your thoughts on this game here? I know this one might be a quicker game because it didn't really have any playoff implications or anything like that. Yeah, I, I'm not one of those people who believes in, um, going easy on your opponents just to be nice at the end of a game like that. I think that you play it smart and you, if you're able to keep the chains moving and wear it out, you can do that. But I think that if you're overwhelmingly ahead of somebody, there's no need to necessarily wear out the clock just to be nice. And I'm totally all for what the players did, getting Jamal Williams a touchdown. I think that that's a good locker room chemistry thing. And who cares about your division rivals' feelings? So I, I like that. I wish there's more confrontation within divisions than what there currently is. I feel like to bring some old school days back. And uh, I'm all for running up the score on somebody, honestly. Like, I have no problems with, with what they did. All right, so then we have the Browns at the Bengals in our next matchup, and we both picked the Bengals, and we both got this one correct. Driscoll looked terrible, and basically that just shows how good Flacco and Stefanski have been this year. The magic runs out with Driscoll. And then also Joe Mixon blew up in a Week 18 matchup, but this could be his final game with the Bengals. Like, I think that he comes back next year because he did take a pay cut. But that does seem like they really like um, this Chase Brown guy in the backfield, and that's a name to look out for for next year. But uh, do you think this is Joe Mixon's last game with the Bengals? Honestly, I think it's 50-50. I could absolutely see them bringing him back on a cheap deal. Uh, I think that they could let him go. Um, I think he still provides value for a team, and this kind of game is what I wanted him to do every week all season, and I think he was capable of it. So I would like to see him back. I think they're probably the best team for him. And I don't know that Chase Brown is actually good enough to start full-time in the league. I think he's more of a change of pace back. So I, if I was the Bengals, I'd much rather have Joe Mixon. If I was Joe Mixon, there's nowhere better to be than with the Bengals. So that's how I would view it. This is a team that's probably going to lose Higgins. But I think an interesting name to watch might be uh, Andre Ilisova. I, I, I can't ever say his name. I think that he is someone who was taken in the sixth round of this last draft. And I, I think that he is someone who could do next year what um, Rice did this year. He could be a lesser Puka Nakua next year. I don't think he'll get close to the, the stats necessarily that Puka put up this year. But I think he can fill in a role like a Tyler Boyd, like um, Higgins did. I think he's someone that could be uh, a wide receiver three for fantasy rosters in the future so i think this is someone to keep an eye on for the wide receiver group but i would love to see this division with everyone healthy going at going at it i think that they could all be like 11 and 6 or 12 and 5 or something like that this is just a loaded division 
Absolutely, and it'll be interesting to see how it shakes out in 2024, and we will not make predictions on that necessarily until we know kind of what the rosters look like for 2024. Like, is Flacco going to be the Browns quarterback, or is or is Watson going to be the Browns quarterback? Is Burrow fully healthy, and who is he throwing to? Is Higgins on the team or off the team? So there's a lot of things to look at. I do think that premier pass catchers will be tagged, so I think your Higgins, your Evans those type of players will be tagged because we they don't want them to hit the market. They rarely hit the market these days. And you are more likely to see a tag and then trade uh, out of out of this here. Anything that we missed on this matchup before we can hop over to the matchup that gave your Texans the division? I think that pretty much covers the, the Browns and Bengals, so we can move on to the uh, Jags at the Titans. Oh, right. So the Jaguars squandered the division by losing this matchup. We both lost this game. Uh, what changes do you see incoming for the Jacksonville Jaguars? Oh, man. I think that they're going to change up their entire defense a little bit, shake that up to make it more potent. Uh, I think that they're going to probably change up their offense a little bit. Uh, what they should do is fire their offensive coordinator. I don't know if they're actually going to do that because he's buddies with the head coach. Um, I just I don't think that they they didn't do what they needed to do in my opinion they didn't they didn't get creative with Calvin Ridley they they kind of were cut a little predictable with him granted I think when Christian Kirk comes back they should be more dynamic as well but their offense just looked mediocre their defense looked even worse they were a huge disappointment for a lot of people not for me as a Texans fan because I I will gladly cheer for them and their demise but there there's a a name that that the other division teams have for the Jaguars, and that's the Glitter Kittens. And they always seem to disappoint. Uh, they always are just bright and shiny to the media, and they just aren't very good. Um, I, I think that uh, this team, to in my eyes, uh, no one else is going to believe this. No one else is going to take my side on this. But I think Trevor Lawrence is one of the most overrated quarterbacks in the league. He was overrated in his draft, being the best, best prospect since Andrew Luck. The team went... One in five, their last six weeks, and the one win that they got was when the backup started. So, uh, I think Trevor Lawrence's decision making and his touch is completely off. I think he has all the talent and skill set in the world, but he he's very poor lately on getting the right touch. He's very poor on decision making, ball placement, the last few weeks. And I, I know you look at it and you're like, hey, he gets some stats, but with the roster, the with the weapons that he has had. He should be much better. ETN has dropped off in efficiency the last few weeks as well. So this offense is just broken. It's just broken. Yeah, I mean, I can see the offense being broken, but I am 100% in disagreement with it being Lawrence's fault. Lawrence has battled through injuries all year, and that has to be taken into consideration on this here. And he also was missing Christian Kirk the whole back half of the year, which I know he has Calvin Ridley, but I think Kirk Ridley, they make each other better when they're both out there. Uh, I just think that if when he's fully healthy next year, I don't expect the injury bug to hit him again the same way it did this year. And I think it is their division next year and going forward, because I do think he is the best quarterback in that division. And I know you're rooting for the opposite for obvious reasons, but I think you're incorrect when it comes to that. Okay, I disagree, but I just think that regardless of injury, I mean, I feel like you don't give other quarterbacks credit when they play through injury, but you give it to Lawrence, and I don't know if Lawrence is 
as good as people think he is. And I, I think he still has to prove it in my eyes. We'll see next year. Um, but do you think that the Jaguars re-sign Ridley or do you think he gets franchise tagged? I think he gets franchise tagged. I don't know if I trust this year's production or not. Um, he was kind of inconsistent, kind of still settling in. So I would probably franchise tag him if they have the cap space. Um, yeah. And I, as I said, I like him and Kirk together. I think they complement really each other pretty well on the field, and it gets a little frustrating for fantasy. But yeah, I think he's back with the team either way. But yeah, they'll probably tag him and then try to work out a long-term deal, as we've seen before. Well, you thought I was crazy in the offseason when I said I think that they should be valued close together, and I'd rather take Christian Kirk because he's getting drafted much lower than Ridley, and I think they're going to have similar production. Well... They did have similar production. If not, Christian Kirk was better when he was when he was out there, and Christian Kirk got hurt, and that production went over to Ingram. So I think that maybe you've come around to that since since then that Christian Kirk should be valued a little bit more than he was this past off season. I think they're going to be very close next year, and I think I was I was way 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 too high on Ridley this year. And basically, I think they're going to be a lot closer next year. I think they're probably going to be in the 20s for wide receivers for me, where this going into this year, I had Ridley in the teens and I had Kirk in the 30s. And I think they'll both meet in the middle somewhere. You think that's fair? Yeah, as long as they're both healthy. Yeah. But we can talk about the Tennessee side of this as well. Derrick Henry had a really good farewell game with uh, 153 yards in that touchdown. So I think he's trying to show that even though he's 30, uh, that he can still play in the right situation. So I, I think that um, he already said goodbye at the end of that game. So I think he's gone. I, I think that the Titans probably told him that they're not going to pay him. Uh, the Titans are going through a lot of changes right now. and We can talk about the head coaching aspect in the next episode. But I think Henry's gone. I think it's Ty J. Spears as the lead back next year. They'll probably bring in another running back in the draft to back him up and uh, do a change of pace. And uh, they may or may not trade Hopkins next year. He's got, I think, what what is it, a two-year deal? So it's one more year next year, I think, if I remember correctly. Yeah, it was a two-year deal, and I don't see them trading him unless he wants to be traded. If they're rebuilding, I could see him wanting to leave. Because that's one thing he said he didn't want to do. Right. But I think it's going to come up to him because if you trade a veteran after one year on a two-year deal, it's going to give other veterans pause to sign there. I don't think so. I think they view it as they're doing right by him by getting him into a better situation. But So who's going to be the starting running back for the Titans in 2024? It's going to be Tajay Spears, for sure. And where do you have him ranked at running back going into like a ballpark of where you would have him ranked for 2024? Ballpark would be uh, RB2. Okay, that's that's a little high, but... I think he's shown he's explosive. He's good in receiving, so... I think he's a better athlete than like a Rashad White is with the Bucks. So theoretically, he should have the same upside as Rashad White. Oh, Rashad White. Okay. I hear you on that front. I would have him probably closer to a flex play right now, but I would have to see where the where everything shakes out, where Henry lands. Um imagine Henry landing with the Philadelphia Eagles. And them changing the way that they run the football with Henry. Like, I think that's a big game changer. I think a team like the Dallas Cowboys would be a good spot for Henry because they don't have to pay Pollard. They only franchise tagged him. So he's a free agent. 
I would just use that money for Derrick Henry. And I think he would fit their system better, and he's more of a bruiser than Pollard is. So if I was if I was the Cowboys, I would want Henry for sure. Oh, great. Um, any other possible landing spots for Henry? I, I'm sure I'm sure there are. I just don't think that anything else would be as ideal as those two spots. All right, well, I think oh. we can move on to the next matchup here, the Vikings at the Detroit Lions. The Detroit? Ooh, Jeff, I think that you have something to talk about with Detroit and playing some of their starters, maybe? So I noticed in this game here that Campbell was going to start his starters and do what he thought was best, no matter if it was best for the team or not. And the way that he's coached in this game made me realize that he's probably going to be a better regular season coach as opposed to a postseason coach. So he's going to be great at checkers, which is everything about the regular season. He's not going to be so great at chess, which is the postseason. So this is really interesting for me to know. And this is something I'll keep in the back of my my head going forward. Like, I think there'll be a playoff team going forward, but I don't think there'll be a Super Bowl contender going forward. And that's based on his coaching and his impulsiveness. Now, Laporta's, now the reason for this was Laporta's knee. And we don't know how severe it is. It's most likely not going to be um, something that he'll be able to play through this week. And this is a big loss going into their first home playoff game. And arguably this game against the Vikings had no bearing on the standings. Now I know you'll mention if the Cowboys would have lost, which they didn't, we'll get to them a little bit later. The Lions could have moved up to the number two seed, but the Cowboys didn't. So it would have took the Cowboys and the Eagles to lose against two lower opponents in the NFC East doable. Yes, likely. Absolutely not. So you got to kind of play the odds here and play a little game that I like to call chess. And that's something that Dan Campbell was just not good at. Now, before going into this game, I had started writing notes about how high I would be willing to take Laporta because he was the number one tight end in fantasy this year. Now, is he someone able to take Kelsey's place as like a first or a second round pick? I don't know the answer to that just yet. And then Jameer Gibbs, like I know he's come on as of late. I don't know where he goes right now. I don't really have much to say in the Vikings in this matchup in case you've noticed. But how high would you take Jameer Gibbs or Sam Laporta in 2024? And then what do you think about the Campbell coaching decisions that took place this week? So if I'm taking Sam Laporta, it's probably round three or four. Um, If I am taking Gibbs, uh, I would probably take him in the same same area. the, for me, I don't know if Sam Laporte is going to put up the numbers next year that he did this year. So I wouldn't count on it. So I wouldn't chase points. But I would still value him earlier on in drafts. Jameer Gibbs is going to split with David Montgomery next year. Will he get a bigger piece of the pie? Probably. But I think his upside is capped because Montgomery is there. So I'm not taking him in the first two rounds. If somebody else does that, I'm going to let them do that. And I'm going to pick better value in each round. Okay. So you probably won't end up with either of them next year? Probably not. Uh, I will just say I would take James Cook over Jameer Gibbs next year. Um, I know that Jameer Gibbs finished with a a hair's uh, breath, a little bit more points than James Cook did. 
they're like right next to each other. But I, I just don't trust that he'll put up first round value or second round value. Same thing with Laporta. All right. Anything else on this matchup before we hop over to Dan Campbell? We're talking oh, about yeah. him. Um, I think he's a player's coach. He's a coach of conviction. He's a coach of uh, encouragement. He's a man's man. Um, I, I think that he sticks to his guns and he's like, hey, we're going to do this. And I'm, I'm not going to lie about it. We're actually going to do it. Um, does he always make the best tactical decision? I would say no. And I, I think that that could bite him in the butt in playoffs. But I also think that he he gets the players riled up and gets them performing at the highest level. And I think that that's something uh, to give credit to him. And the Lions have won the NFC North for the first time in like 30 years, roughly, and had the best record that they've had in like 30 years. So I'm going to give the man some credit. And I think that the fans probably are going to love him for a long time um, up in Detroit. So I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and think that he'll probably grow and learn to make some better decisions uh, going forward. I hope so, because if not, then the Lions are in trouble as far as winning a Super Bowl. Well, we'll and also say I, we picked this one right. We didn't talk. We didn't say it, but we both picked the Lions. We did, but I think Campbell needs to get out of his own way and stop coaching with so much emotion. And a lot of it was from the week before with the report, no report issue in Dallas. And I think that coaching on emotion is silly at times. And it was not a week to coach on emotion, especially when it's a week that you could be getting your players ready and rested. And their opponent this week, which we'll talk about later, did rest their starters and get... So we're going to be able to see the difference if the Lions show up next week and beat their opponent senseless, then obviously I could change my opinion on this. But I don't think it's going to matter that much because bye weeks do happen during the week and it doesn't impact them that much. So just one bye week. And uh, I think the players could have used the bye week to rest up and get healthy for a postseason run because it's not all about the next week. It's about the next four games, potentially three playoff games in the Super Bowl. So I just think it's short-sighted that he played his players and hopefully he learns from this. But right now I, I have, I'm skeptical. Right, well, let's move on to the next matchup here. We'll just power through the next few. So Jets at Patriots. We both picked the, the Patriots. They went out with a win for this one, and uh, the the Jets beat them pretty, pretty, uh, pretty well, uh, seventeen to three. And it looks like it's Belichick's last game with the the Pats. I would be hard pressed to think that they're gonna keep him on next year. And I mean, honestly, with with the Jets as well, I think that they have some off season questions. Like they performed okay absent of Aaron Rodgers, but he's going to be 40 next year and he'll be 41 in December of next year. So should they pursue somebody else for insurance or to uh, be the long-term answer? Jeff, what do you think about Belichick, uh, Aaron Rodgers in this matchup? So (laughs) I think the jet, I think he'll be back with the jets next year. I think he'll be the starter. I don't think he'll tear his Achilles on the second or third or fourth play of the season. And uh, they definitely should pursue. So I think Zach Wilson won't be on the team from what I'm reading and hearing and gathering, but there are going to be quarterbacks that are available and they should pursue and listen and 
to try to get a high-end backup just in case the young Aaron Rodgers has something similar happen to him again. And I meant the old Aaron Rodgers. Um, <laughs> he's not so young anymore. Um, but as far as looking at the free agent list going into this year, you have your Carson Wentz, which we've talked about. We have Gardner Minshew. We have Kirk Cousins. I don't think Kirk Cousins should be a backup in this league. I think he should still be a starter. You have your Jameis Winston. That would be an interesting one there. And I think Jameis Winston has worked his way out of New Orleans with that fiasco. And that's totally fine. Baker Mayfield uh, is a free agent right now, not a backup. I expect him back with Tampa. Sam Darnold's a backup that I would consider, but I don't think a reunion with the Jets is likely there. I think his time left a very bad taste in his mouth there. But uh, even like a Joshua Dobbs, because he's someone that could fill in for a game or two and produce some magic. Tyrod Taylor is a lifelong backup and could produce a few victories in the interim. But uh as far as Bill Belichick, I honestly don't know where this goes. I expected him already to be fired from his job or at least let go of GM duties. But now there's talks of Josh McDaniels coming back into the fold and there's talks of him retaining the job for 2024, which I didn't really see coming, but I think the media kind of got ahead of themselves with the Bill Belichick uh, and Kraft have already talked about this being his last season. But there is odds on teams already for where Bill Belichick will coach next year. So they might have the inside track to something, or it just might be a lot of careless speculation at this point. I do think it's time to move off Bill Belichick and consider hiring somebody different. And I don't know if that different is like a familiar face like Mike Rabel, who was also let go by the Titans, and uh, potentially getting an actual GM in there, which I know we've talked about offline. I think that's one of Bill Belichick's weak areas is his ability to over a decade right now. And that is not good. And they would be in a much different spot if he even hit on half of those. So what do you see the ultimate resolution with this Bill Belichick situation? I think that he's going to be on a different uh, team as a coach. So I, I think that he will be with either the Chargers or the Commanders, a, a team like that. So I don't think it's going to be New England. I think New England's going to start fresh. New quarterback, too? Uh, I think, what, what, but, I yeah, think what about Belichick. Mac Jones in, uh, in New York as a backup? Uh, maybe, but... I think that, oh man, I think that the as far as the Jets, they're going to probably draft uh, a mid-round quarterback to potentially develop. And I, I think for Belichick, he's going to move to a different team. Um, I think Aaron Rodgers next year will be his last year. And if they win the Super Bowl, I definitely expect him to retire. That's just how I feel about those teams. And, and obviously, we, we can also mention that uh, Ramondre Stevenson is going to be a staple in fantasy next year, I believe, as well as. Brees Hall is going to be probably a top five, top eight back in, in fantasy, uh, especially if they have a, an effective offense. He'll be more trustworthy to keep in your lineups and more effective, but he may not get the crazy usage that he got over half the season this year. So it's like less usage, more efficiency, probably close to the same points, but just more reliably. So uh, also Garrett Wilson will have a better year with Aaron Rodgers. So those are just things of now that the year's over, we hope for the best for next year. We hope everyone's healthy. All right. So we can hop over to our next matchup, and that is the Buccaneers defeating the Carolina Panthers. And the Buccaneers 
won this matchup, and we both won this matchup for Pick'em as well. But this was a second consecutive shutout for the Panthers offense, and that's a big problem going forward. Hayden Hurst did come out this week saying that there's a lot of voices, and that is the part of the problem with the offense. So I'm really hoping David Tepper listens to all of this feedback and doesn't um, go with, I'll show them. I'm really hoping that he uh, hires a guy that's the one voice inside of the building and everyone shares that same vision as that one voice because it is very clear inside of the Panthers organization that there were a lot of different um, voices and a lot of different ideas of where they should have went and should have drafted this year or should bring the offense. We have the Bucks on the other hand here that score no touchdowns in this game, score nine points on three field goals. And they're kind of limping into the postseason right now. They've had back-to-back bad offensive performances. And yeah, um, I think it's safe to wonder if Baker will be back in 2024. And then if he's back at what price would he, would both sides feel comfortable bringing him back? on like is it a franchise tag number or is it lower is it higher is it longer term any thoughts on the baker thing and and then obviously where the panthers organization is going forward alex so with baker i think he'll be back on a relatively short deal so like maybe a two-year deal maybe three-year deal something like that i think he'll be cheaper than uh the market uh like cheaper than the franchise tag per year so i don't think he'll get up to that but I think he's their best option for the short term rather than scrapping everything and starting over. And they have to make a decision about Mike Evans and several of their defensive players. So they have to figure out how to fit everyone in under their cap. And I think signing him to at least a few, like three years or something like that would open up the cap space because the first year is typically like much lower as far as cap hit. So that's something that they can do. Um, for Carolina, I, I think that uh, they need to scrap basically everything and start over and uh, that's not something that you as a fan want to hear but i don't think dj tark is worth being on the roster honestly i think he's more of a deterrence than uh, a help i would keep adam Thielen because i think he's a good veteran presence i would work on my offensive line because their offensive line was one of the worst in the, in the league i'd bring in a, an offensive-minded head coach an up-and-comer uh, open my checkbook for him and uh make him a uh, a fairly competitive offer. Um, I would want to hire a new GM who can work with that head coach because to me, I'm not in the mindset that the head coach runs all the personnel decisions. I think that the GM and the head coach should work together and sometimes butt heads because they they need to discuss everything and not just have yes men. So I think that they need to they need to work collaboratively together and not necessarily just have one person pick everything, but they certainly don't need 27 talking heads um, all having input. So um, I think Tepper needs to step back as an owner and, and uh, find people he trusts and, and let them run things. And that's the only way that, that it's going to get better in Carolina. And uh, this is coming from a Texans fan and a Houston Astros fan who has suffered through many terrible years. So I, I know the pain that you're going through um, and uh, I hope they get it straightened out. Yeah, and I think they will. They just got to get the coach right, and they got to get the owner out of the coach's ear for a little while. I do think the next coach does get a good amount of time to get this right because Tepper does not want to be seen as the guy that just goes through coaches now because he'll never get anybody. So 
I do think in a weird way, this is an ideal situation for a coach to go in and actually have a decent amount of say, and then also a new general manager as well. So there's a chance to have a good combination walk into this building and figure it out in hopefully relatively short order. All right, let's move on to the next matchup, the Bears at the Packers. And we split this one, so uh, we had different options. And uh, I went with the Bears, I was wrong. You went with the Packers, and the Packers pulled it off. Uh, embarrassed the the Bears for the second time this season, and not a good look for uh, the head coach in Chicago or the starting quarterback. So Fields and Eberflus are two people who could potentially be somewhere else next year. Jeff, what do you think about Justin Fields going into 2024 and, and uh, especially after 2023? Is he with Chicago next year? Is he somewhere else? What would you do if you're Chicago? And then what do you think that they will do? Dude, I honestly have no idea. And I know that is the worst thing to say as a host of a show. But I think for, if I'm the Bears, I'm, I can't pick up his May 2nd option. I can't guarantee him a fifth year with top 10 money at the quarterback position. I just can't do it. He still, he lost to Jordan Love, who I do believe is a better quarterback than him at this present moment. And I think they have about the same amount of years, but Justin Fields has considerably more starts than Jordan Love at this point. Jordan And, and Justin Fields also does have the better weapons in Cole Komet and DJ Moore. Um, and Jordan loves playing with kids right now, first and second year pass catching options. And a lot of the time he's on his third or fourth option because Christian Watson, Luke Musgrave, um, Jaden Reed's in and out of the lineup. Romeo Dobbs is in and out of the lineup. It's just, uh, it doesn't matter the turnstile. The Packers still make the playoffs in this one. Jordan love performed better this year than Aaron Rodgers did last year. So they, this proves that the Packers did the right thing moving off of Aaron Rodgers onto Jordan Love. And I think a similar thing could happen here with the Bears. The Bears have a shot to pick a generational talent. Now, from my perspective, you're going to be lucky to get another five to seven years out of Justin Fields, the way that he plays, with the way that he runs and gets hit and such. If you take the right quarterback, you have a shot for 10 to 15 years double the amount, paying him less. I think the right option would have been to fire Eberflus, start over from the beginning, and go from there. So the issue is, going into next year, the Bears enter, let's say Kirk Cousins is back with the Vikings. Let's say Jordan Love is back, and now he has second-year and third-year receivers and pass-catching options, and they take another step forward. Let's say they even have an alpha on that team, and I think most likely out of that bunch, just looking at stats early, Jaden Reed could be the alpha of that bunch, and that's just a name to watch out for the next couple of years because he could be like another Devonta Adams out of nowhere that just starts producing um, at a very high level. And so with that being said, uh, you also have Goff and the Lions, and there's a chance, a really good chance, that the Bears are the fourth-place team again in that um, division with Fields and Eberflus again. So I just don't know what they're gaining by signing Fields to a long-term deal, picking up his option, any of the above on that. So I think it's time to move off of Justin Fields, try to get a pick for him and move him on. 
I'm not saying Fields is done in this league. I'm just saying it's not working in Chicago right now. Thoughts on my comments there? I know that was quite a bit right there. I think two two things can be true at once. I don't think that Chicago has done him any favors over his time there, especially the first two years. I don't think he had a legitimate wide receiver to throw to. I don't think he had a workable line to work with. I think he was playing in a division with three teams that were much better uh, than Chicago as well. And, and uh, I don't think he had an offensive-minded head coach. I don't think he had a good play callers. So I think all of that was going against him. And I think you can also say the other thing that's true is he hasn't been good enough um, to commit to. So they're in a position where they have a, a much improved roster this third year, and they have uh, a good wide receiver now. They have a top tight end now. They have some running backs that could be uh, the guys. They just have to sort through it. <clears throat> and I, I think that the Packers aren't that good of, of a team yet. And I, I think that Minnesota, depending on their Kirk Cousins decision, they they might not be uh, a good team, depending on how that plays out. So I think they're very appealing to a new head coach because they'll have the first overall pick. You can choose to build around Justin Fields if you want that style quarterback because you can trade down and get a whole bunch of picks. Or you can choose whatever quarterback in this draft you want and trade Fields away and uh, just try to build from there. And I think that they're an easier division than I think the AFC West would be. So I wouldn't necessarily be jumping through hoops to move to take over the Chargers or the Raiders because I think that division to me is a little bit tougher than the NFC North. And I think that the NFC in general is an easier conference than the AFC because you look at the playoff race for the AFC, there were a bunch of teams that got close to or had an above 500 record and didn't make it on the AFC side. So I would much rather be in the NFC and ha start with the Chicago Bears. So I, I think that uh, it's all going to depend on whether they keep Everflus. If they keep Everflus, they'll probably keep Justin Fields. Um, if they get a new head coach, I think they'll move on to a new quarterback. Yeah, it seems like they've already committed to Everflus this year. So unless there's a surprise coming down, it does seem like it's going to be Everflus. But again, is the drop-off from Fields to Caleb Williams, we'll say, at the one spot, is that a drastic drop? because the salaries between the two of them is going to have a drastic difference after this year. Well, Caleb Williams has hinted that he would not go to Chicago. And I also can think that it's not a guarantee that Caleb Williams is the best quarterback in this draft. So but we're going to be diving through some prospects later and I, I'm going to be doing some film study on these guys. And I, I think that it, it's possible that I might not like Caleb Williams as the number one quarterback. So, to answer my question, do you think from Fields to Caleb Williams, it's that big of a drop off from that quarterback there in year I one? I mean, even on the even on the downside of Williams, no. So if we went like the absolute floor for Williams, it wouldn't be that that much of a difference uh, contract wise. They would save them a, a lot of money. Um, that he'd be under a cheap deal. The upside of Williams is much much higher than Fields as well. So I think it makes sense at this point. To, to roll the dice on a rookie, but you better be right about that rookie because if you're not right, you're going to look bad, especially if Justin Fields goes somewhere else or stays in the NFC and you have to face him. Yeah, I mean, they're going to be able to control where they send Fields to, so they could send him off to New England. They could send him off to, <laughs> if Miami doesn't believe fully in Tua, like if they have an early exit at, uh, at uh, round one here and they think that Fields could be a better... Uh, option back there that would be that would be an interesting thought but uh 
And then also you have Tennessee that would be looking probably at a quarterback. You have the Raiders that would be looking at a quarterback. So there are teams and you have Denver that's looking at a quarterback. So you're, you have teams that are looking for quarterbacks in the AFC. And I would probably, you know how I always feel. I'm never going to ship a quarterback inside of conference. The Deshaun Watson thing had to happen because he had a full no trade. So he kind of controlled where he was going. And, uh, Justin Fields doesn't have that. So I would never want to compete for a playoff spot against my former quarterback. So I would be shipping him out of conference. Let's move on to the Chiefs at Chargers. Jeff, you picked the Chiefs. I picked the the Chargers. And uh, you got that right. Uh, I don't know if that's right, but... (laughs) Oh, well. Anyway. You definitely picked the Chargers because you thought all the backups were playing. Uh, the Chargers, they're probably going to move on from Eckler unless he has a sweetheart deal with them. And I don't think that he's going to get the big contract that he wanted because his, he had a dismal year. Uh, they're going to have to make decisions about Keenan Allen's roster uh, spot because he takes up a lot of money. Uh, they're Mike Williams, they're going to have to consider. They're going to have to consider Khalil Mack. Uh, they're in roster purgatory right now. so their We all know the cap tough. is workable. It is, but that's just kick, kick it down kick the can down the road type deal and to the, the end of Herbert's deal. And they're Keep in the same division it. as Patrick Mahomes. They're in the same division as the Raiders. They're in the same division as Sean Payton and the Broncos like that to some coaches that may be off putting. And also California's state taxes may also be off putting, but the one bright spot is really Herbert is still young and still quality quarterback. So is Herbert enough by himself? to lure a, a coach there probably but <laughs> i just think uh, the chargers it's been a bad year for them everything kind of fell apart but this offseason they're gonna have to make some tough decisions and uh, i don't think it's gonna be pretty and i don't know if they'll bounce right back to playoff contention next year the chiefs just through just claw tooth and nail to to finish this one out like they've had a bad year as well and i don't think the chiefs are are long for the playoffs this season they have their own issues to work out so I don't know, man. Maybe maybe uh, Keenan Allen will find his way over at Kansas City if he gets cut or something. What do you um, think of these of these two teams and the situations that they're in? So neither team performed to the level that I thought they would this year. So this kind yeah. of is interesting to watch going forward. I do think Rasheed Rice, they have something there in Kansas City. I do think also the Chargers will get back to what they were good at when Mike Williams and Keenan Allen and uh, Quentin Johnson are on the field at the same time next year. I do think all three of them will be there. I do think Keenan Allen will take a uh, restructuring to stay there because this is where he wants to be. And this is where he's been for his whole career. And I see him finishing his career with the Chargers and Justin Herbert. And there's no reason to move on from him. I don't know if you noticed, but Keenan Allen this year was a top eight fantasy wide receiver and he didn't play the last three weeks. So let that sink in and let that sink in to the point where that's Justin Herbert needs this player on the field with him. Well, I'm aware uh, I traded up in a fantasy draft to be able to take him in a redraft league, and he worked out quite nicely for me until the end of the year when I desperately needed his production, and he was injured the last few parts of the year, which... Brings back the injury concern issues of old, but I will still roll with him next year if I'm able to get him at a reasonable spot. I hope the injury stuff will knock his price tag down, especially in redraft leagues. So 
So was Uh-oh. he injured or did he realize the team was out of playoff contention and he wanted to be fully healthy for a campaign in 2024? See, Jeff always accused me of being the conspiracy theorist, but it's really him. It's really him, especially yep. about these injuries. But it makes sense to like not risk if something's sore to not even risk further damaging it for nothing. It it does, but the correct thing is for the team to make that decision and not the player. So if and they the may team, have. yeah, they may have, they may have. And if I was him, I would have because he's the best thing that they had going for him offensively. Because Mike Williams is is nice to stretch the field, but he doesn't put up the same production. Uh, it's definitely not Quentin Johnston right now. Maybe it will be Quentin Johnston in the future, but not at this moment. And Eckler... He took a mini step forward, but not the Rishi Rice step forward. Yeah, not the Puka Nakua step forward. <laughs> it's true. But, but a lot of teams, I would say all the teams passed on Puka Nakua in last year's draft. All the teams passed on Tank Dell, and he, he was phenomenal while he was healthy. So, I don't You're going to laugh uh, at where you... You're going to laugh when you see where I have Tank Dell for uh, 20. I'm sure I will. I'm sure I will, Jeff, because if you have him below at least wide receiver three, then you're wrong. (laughs) Oh, I have him at wide receiver 16 right now in my initial ranks. You have him at 16? That's high. I thought you were going to be low. No, I thought you're going to laugh because I'm so high on him this year. I think Uh, he's the next Tyreek in the making. If he can just make a few adjustments. You're talking about Tank Dell? Yeah. So you have Nico Collins at what spot and Tank Dell at what spot? So this is very preliminary, very, very... So I don't want anyone to write this in stone right now. But as of right now, I have Tank Dell wide receiver 16, and I have Nico Collins wide receiver 15. I'm not there. Um, I have Nico Collins roughly 16, and I have Tank Dell probably... Probably twenty eight or something like that. I, I think he's a wide receiver. I have them three. both above Keenan. That's crazy. And it may be. It may be. I, I, as I said, these aren't written in stone. I just wanted to start getting numbers next to players. And Amari Cooper still doesn't have a number next to him just yet. So this is all going to be played around with. And M- Michael Pittman throws a wrench into that because I didn't like, see this coming. But I do want to be super high on Tank Dell going into this year because I do think there is a world where he is the next Tyreek Hill. Okay. Well. Not to dive too much into this, but Jamar Chase is going to have a better year next year. Brandon Ayuk's going to have a better ne- year next year. Justin Jefferson's going to have a better year next year. Jaden Reed's you know going to have a better year. Fourteen. I know. I'm just saying. I have, there, a, I there, have him thirteen. There are players that I, I think that finished below Nico Collins uh, that I think are going to be much better next year. I think George George Pickens is going to be better. He he to me. George Pickens is awfully close. Is George Pickens is awfully close to what Nico Collins is right now. I think also Chris Olave is going to rise up the ranks next year as well. So Garrett Wilson is going to go from 31 to probably a top 12, top 15 wide receiver. I got Wilson 14. So I think Drake London is going to rise up as well. I think Cooper Cup better year. Cooper Cup's going to have a better year next year, I would hope. Stafford just locks into only one wide receiver, and if that's the case, I don't know if it's going to be Cooper Cup or Puka. So, we'll see. So, so Cup's number nine for me, and Puka Nakua's number eight for me. So, they're going to be eight and nine right now in the early portion. But then you have the usual guy. You have CeeDee Lamb, Tyreek Hill, Amon Ross, and Brown. Number f- so, so, I'll go over this really quickly right now, my top ten, and then you can just pick it apart quickly, and we can okay. move on to the 
last few games here, but I'm going to go Tyreek number one. That's a no brainer at this point for me. I'm going to go Justin Jefferson number two. I'm going to go Jamar Chase number three, CD Lamb number four, and three and four I think could flop back and forth for me a few times. Chase finishing 13 and missing a whole bunch of games this year. That was kind of eye opening for me. I have the Amara St. Brown number five. I'm willing to go fully in on him at this point. Uh, Devontae Adams number six, because he was number 11 with Jimmy Garoppolo and Aiden O'Connell. And I just, I foresee whoever is the quarterback there. Or if he gets traded to the Jets, I see whoever just feeding him. Mike Evans, wide receiver five. I have him wide receiver seven this year. So I think we undersold Evans hardcore going into this year. And I think we need to adjust on that. Puka eight, Cup nine. AJ Brown 10, DJ Moore 11, and Stefan Diggs 12. And then Ayuk, Garrett Wilson, Nico Tank, Keenan, Debo, Pittman right now. That's as far as I've gotten. I think that's reasonable for sure. Uh, I would just give us some credit, Jeff, that we were much higher on Mike Evans than the most fantasy community people were because he was drafted in redrafts like the eighth, ninth, or tenth round. And that that's insane to me. You and I both had him much higher than that. Did we think he would be the number five wide receiver? No, but there's been a lot of crazy things happening. Stephon Diggs' production dropped off the second half of the year. Devontae Adams didn't put up the numbers that some people thought. I was lower on Devontae Adams going into the year, and I feel justified now. Uh, Jamar Chase lost his quarterback and had uh, injuries. Uh, Pittman has had a couple injury issues and inconsistency at, at quarterback at times. Uh, Calvin Ridley, some inconsistency at quarterback. Uh, same thing with Olave. So, I mean, I, I think that there's just Justin Jefferson, injury with him, injury with quarterback. There's a lot of things that occurred for Mike Evans to finish fifth. So, I think he's benefited, but I think it, he's a wide receiver one. So, a top 12 guy, in my opinion. Yeah, I think Nakua and Cup are going to be hard to rank because they didn't play with each other a ton this year. And when they did, it felt like it was one or the other and not both at the same time. But we'll we'll see there. So they're a little bit harder. A.J. Brown, you say what you want to say about him, but he really stopped showing up around midseason as yeah. a no-brainer wide receiver one. Same thing with Steph Diggs. So they took the hit on that. Evans kept showing up. So that was kind of why my justification there of why Evans is ahead of them right now. But obviously, he's an impending free agent and his landing spot does matter a lot there Pittman's landing spot matters a lot he's an impending free agent I do fully expect a franchise tag but after I do projections in the next two weeks I do expect to have an initial set of actual uh, ranks and I'll do it off of my projections but I kind of wanted to see what a top 20 would look like right now that's all I've gotten through is top 20 they have the Cowboys and the Washington game and so so the Cowboys we both picked them they won uh, Dallas wins a road game when they have to. Prescott with four touchdowns. Lamb went 13 for 13 and two touchdowns. So 13 catches on 13 targets and two touchdowns. I know you say it's really hard for a team to zero in on a wide receiver like that, but he's making it work. And uh, yeah, any thoughts on this matchup? That was pretty much all I had written down for this matchup. Yeah, I just thought for almost a quarter that Washington could upset the, the Cowboys <laughs> when I was watching the game. And then the Cowboys just laid it on them. So. Sorry, Lions, you uh, risk your, your tight end for for no reason. It uh, didn't work out for you guys, but good for the Cowboys to not have this disappointment happen like right at the end of the year. So they, they finished strong and uh, clinched that two seed. So good for them. Um, with a road win. With a road win. That's uh, a big deal for them. 
Yep. So we, but, but they could... won't have to go on the road until three weeks from now. So now they can just sit at home and I think they have a shot at the NFC championship game, but we'll see. They obviously get, get green Bay week one. And then obviously we'll see week two, but I just think that the Cowboys being at home is a huge advantage for them. It's not necessarily an advantage per se. More, It's more of they struggle away. So it's definitely going to help them go further in playoffs. But uh, we can discuss a team that didn't get the, the away victory, and that's Broncos at Raiders. Uh, you picked the Broncos. I picked the Raiders. Raiders ended up winning. Um, granted, uh, they didn't do themselves the Broncos didn't do themselves any favors by starting to sit them over Russell Wilson just for like a contract issue is kind of what we suspect that it could be. I don't think that Russell William Russell Wilson has lived up to the contract that they gave him. And so if they could find a way out, I think they would, but they probably are stuck with him another year. I don't think I need to I, point I, out that that extension hasn't even started yet. The first year of his five year extension is twenty twenty four. Oh boy, uh, that was just not a, a wise contract. Uh, and you can say the same about several other ones out there right now. But I've been very consistent that I think that the Broncos are going to improve next year. And I don't think that this was the year for them. So I think that they will potentially be a playoff team next year. They came pretty close to it this year. I think that you could almost say the same for the Raiders as well. I don't know if Aiden O'Connell will be the guy starting next year or not for them. But I think that he did fairly well for a mid to late rookie quarterback with the the team that they have. So I think that whether Tim, whether they bring in another guy, whether they bring in maybe a Minshew, I think Minshew would actually fit in pretty well with this Raiders roster, Uh, especially with with Jacoby Myers and with uh, Devontae Adams. I think he could be good for them. So that could be a spot or they could end up drafting somebody this year. We'll, We'll see. But both of these teams, are potentially playoff teams next season, in my opinion. Yeah, I think the Chargers will be on the upswing too because they'll have Herbert back. So I think this division is going to be hard again. And then obviously the Raiders and Broncos don't know what they're doing at quarterback. And uh, O'Connell, you can't throw 60 yards in a game. I know they won it, but you still have Devontae Adams and Jacoby Myers. And to throw 60 yards in a game, I feel like to say there's nothing around him is just being, it, it would be insincere and it wouldn't be the correct uh, way to look at it. So Devontae Adams should at minimum have 60 yards in a game and same thing with Jacoby Myers. <laughs> to have okay, 60 yards total on offense was bad. He threw 244 yards, had two touchdowns, zero turnovers this week. And the week before he did just fine as well. So, I mean, I think that they should have beaten Indianapolis and I think Aiden O'Connell was, a, a good part of that as well. He threw 300 yards against Indianapolis, two touchdowns, zero turnovers. I don't think he's the problem. I think he had one down week, and you keep harping on that same down week, but the two weeks after that have been pretty pretty dang good, especially for not being a first-round pick as a quarterback. He was a mid-to-late-round pick, and I think he's done fairly well, especially since he started the year with Josh McDaniels as his head coach. So I think you got to give him a little bit more credit for what he's done. Yeah, I mean, he he's looked okay. I do think he'll be a career backup, but uh, we'll see what the Raiders do at quarterback with the position. Um, he did complete 62% of his balls, 12 touchdowns, and seven interceptions in his 10 starts this year. So he's averaging just over one point 
one touchdown, 1.1 touchdowns per game, 1.2 touchdowns per game. So that would have to improve dramatically, especially with pass catchers like Devontae Adams, who yeah. is still a top five pass catcher in the league. I don't think Devontae Adams is a top five receiver. I don't. I didn't. What? I didn't going into the year, and I feel like I'm correct. He, he finished 11 with Jimmy Garoppolo half the games and Aiden O'Connell, a fourth-round rookie, half the games. So you're saying if he had a competent quarterback back there the entire season, he wouldn't have finished top five? No, I don't think so. Okay. There would definitely be a bump. There would how be. big of the Absolutely. bump from 11 to whatever. But uh, what is unquestionable is it does appear that the uh, Raiders do have a new bell cow running back in Zamir White, who had over 20 carries in this game. And it is, is that the direction that they move in and they move off of Josh Jacobs going into this upcoming year? I mean, financially, that's what I would do if I was the Raiders. I would roll with Zamir White. I would draft a rookie running back to uh, be behind him, potentially supplant him if he doesn't work out. And I would let Josh Jacobs walk and see what he can get on the the, the uh, free agency market. And uh, I think we, I think we can also talk about Javante Williams for for the the Broncos. Um, I was concerned that he wasn't going to be a hundred percent this year and not put up the production that we would expect because of the coming off the injury from last year. I don't know if it's a hundred percent that or if it's just the the usage with Denver, but they I feel like they. I have too many running backs running. Uh, they aren't getting enough plays. I don't think the the offense has enough plays. They aren't running the ball enough. So I, I think that it's a scheme issue. I think that um, he's in real jeopardy of falling out of the top twenty four for running backs for me next year. I think I think I might have him like running back thirty or lower, and they could even bring in a new running back in the draft to potentially replace him. So. If I'm a Javante owner, I'm worried. Yeah, and I'm not sure that Javante is Sean Payton's guy, and that's something to be worried about as well, because Sean Payton has made it very clear that he's going to pick his guy. And so that's just something to be on the lookout for. So now let's just power through these. And uh, Rams 49ers, I'll let you go. All right, we got this one right. The Rams won this one. Wentz plays and plays well in a spot start. Uh, two passing touchdowns, a lot of rushes, so he actually showed that he has some of his athleticism back, which he hasn't shown really since uh, the ACL injury in Philly. So this is a good showing for Wentz to go into 2024, and I do think there'll be some spots where he can either potentially start or he could be potentially that backup to a new rookie quarterback or the bridge to that new rookie quarterback. Um, just something to look out for. The Rams winning late does pave the way to a dream matchup for me in a matchup with the, with the Lions. So it's now Goff, who used to be with the Rams, now playing for the Lions, against Stafford, who used to play for the Lions, now playing for the Rams. That was a famous trade three years ago, all paying off. And the Rams rested their starters. As we mentioned earlier, the Lions didn't. So we'll see which strategy pays off in the Sunday night matchup. So they get the actual premier spot, too, because the NFL does agree with me that this is the premier matchup. All right, I can't wait for next week. We can move on to the Eagles at Giants. And we both picked the Eagles. And the, the Giants definitely put up a fight and got the victory in this one. And Jeff, I will let you do this one as well. Oh, right. So a lot of backups in this one, too. I know the Eagles initially had started all their starters, but they laid another egg. And 
Jalen Hurts and AJ Brown get hurt in this matchup, and then they wave the white flag and put all the backups in. Um, is is it possible that um, Hurts misses this week? It is possible, but it's not likely. So it's just something to be on the lookout for. AJ Brown looked like it was potentially a season-ending knee injury, but uh, and I haven't really heard too much more on this here. But uh, hopefully AJ Brown's able to play. I know that he was available in um in in the locker room right after the game so hopefully he's able to play this week and then an impressive showing by tyrod taylor and the giants as well um tyrod did get hurt left the game uh tommy devito did come in but then the eagles made a mistake by hurting devito which tyrod re-entered the game and, and then obviously they just took over the game and they won which this blows my mind because where was this to begin the year with their actual starting 40 million a year quarterback I don't know where this was. Obviously, they're going to have to consider moving on from Daniel Jones in the offseason. Um, anything that I'm missing on this particular matchup, this was not a good showing by the Eagles. The only thing that was interesting for me, and I don't know if you noticed it, but when Tyrod Taylor played, he targeted Wandell Robinson a lot. And um, it seemed to have a connection with him. And when Tommy DeVito came in, he seemed to have more of a connection with Jalen Hyatt. So... I thought it's interesting that two quarterbacks would look at two different wide receivers, both young guys, both athletically gifted. So I would like to see both of them be involved if I was a Giants fan or if I was a fantasy owner. I think they're the, the two most talented wide receivers. I'd like to see Darren Waller get involved more than he has been. Seems almost like a, a bust, definitely a bust for fantasy purposes, but a bust acquisition so far. So Maybe Tyrod Taylor can fill in in the short term. Maybe they're able to draft a young guy to develop. Maybe they can go after a Justin Fields. Maybe they can go after Gardner Minshew. Maybe, 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 maybe. But yeah, I think Daniel Jones should be gone, and I think that they should bring in somebody else. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we will see where this goes, but it does make sense that different quarterbacks would throw to different receivers because they're when they're practicing, they probably throw to different receivers. So there's a good chance that Robinson practices with Tyrod and Hyatt practices with DeVito and so that they just go to what they're more comfortable with because there's only so many reps to get oh the next matchup is the Seahawks at the Cardinals I'll let you break down this matchup because you got it correct and I got it incorrect I, I picked the Seahawks and uh, Jeff picked the Cardinals the Cardinals made it a very very close game but the Seahawks pulled it off 21 to 20 and they did it off of a two-point conversion off their last touchdown so they went for the win and they got it so kudos to them i, I thought that gino was uh, pretty efficient I, I don't think that he he didn't get a lot of yards he only had uh, 189 yards but he had two touchdowns and zero turnovers there's just a lot of times i feel like he checks down and uh that bothers me because i feel like i i feel like his short yardage is just off target sometimes and uh, there are times that he throws in tight windows, so these are concerns that I have, but I still think he's a quality quarterback in the league. If not a top one, I think he's in the middle, and I, I think that I expected more from Seattle overall this year as well as from their offense. So I I don't know if it's because they lost uh, Canales to Tampa Bay or what the situation is, but I, I think that they should be better than what they are, and I'm sure you'll point to the quarterback. Uh, on the other side, Arizona played pretty well. James Conner had another big game. That's why I think he's still going to be the guy next year. Uh, the the head coach there, Gannon, has already said that Kyler Murray is going to be their 2024 
quarterback. So props to you because you've been very adamant that that's going to be the case and very adamant in your belief of Kyler Murray. I, to me, Kyler Murray is still a little iffy, but uh, he's one of those guys that they have, they gave him a big contract and I think they're stuck with them for a little bit longer either way, whether they like him or not. <clears throat> Michael Wilson had a really good game. Finally, six, six targets, six catches, 95 yards. I think he, Connor and McBride will be a very good core for this team going forward. And, they have a big decision to make with Hollywood Brown. I know the team said that they'd like to have him back. I just don't think that he's good enough in the league to be a number one. I don't I don't know if he's good enough to be a number two. I think he's very athletic, very unpolished still at this point in his career. That's not good. I'd rather have Rondell more than Hollywood Brown at this point. So, Jeff, what did I miss here, and what were your takeaways? So, I think Seattle moves on from their quarterback this year. Um, he's going to be 30. Four. They took a step back, even though they added a lot of offensive pieces with JSN and Jarbonet. But this is not something that was not predictable because they were the most traveled team this year. And we did mention that going into this year, uh, that that was going to be an issue with this team is that they had really lost their um, their ability to be well rested with the traveling the most by far the most out of any team. Um, I do think Michael Wilson does turn into the number one or number two on the team, depending on if they go after Marvin Harrison Jr. If Marvin Harrison Jr. does declare for the draft, James Conner, 27 carries. He is entering his age 29 season this upcoming season. So they are going to have to start looking at replacements, moving in a different direction, maybe not for 2024, but beyond that, because typically there's a cliff after 28 for running backs. Um, they do have Michael Carter, so that's something you need to look out for there. I do think that was very intentional that they got Michael Carter on the team. I do think Kyler Murray did get better as the season went on. Obviously, he's trying to get confidence back in his knee and his running ability. And I do believe that the Seahawks did not win this matchup. They lo- The Cardinals lost it because there was two late kicks missed by Prater, and it was a one-point loss. So I just think that nine times out of 10, this was that one time out of 10, I think Prater makes at least one of those kicks nine times out of 10. So I think Seattle got a little bit lucky in this situation, Um, but all it did is damage their draft pick selection because they were already eliminated by the end of this game by the Packers. So anything you'd like to comment on that I said, or do you want to head to the uh, amazing matchup of the Sunday Night Football? Let's head on to the, the last matchup of the week. All right, we have the Bills at the Dolphins. We both got this one correct. Tyreek did show up for Sunday Night Football, at least for the first half, and he ends an excellent year, and he'll be in contention for a top-five fantasy pick in 2024, but he did keep limping off in this game. And I did say top-five pick in 2024 because I do believe CMC, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, and and um, Tyreek will all be in consideration for that number one overall pick. Um and obviously there'll be different leagues doing going in different directions and there won't really be a, a wrong way to go in that. Um, the Bills did get stopped at halftime and I thought maybe that was going to cost them the game. That did not cost them the game. Um, and Miami has to go to Kansas City and now Pittsburgh goes to Buffalo. But here's the kicker on that. Miami is leaving 70, 60, 70 degree Miami to go to zero degree Kansas City to play on Saturday. So this was actually a really big loss, in my opinion, for Miami, because I don't really see them responding to the cold weather of zero degrees very well, especially when they could have been at home 60 degrees. So this would have been this is a much bigger loss than we would like to admit. Um, They definitely have a issue against good teams and they have the lead at halftime, but there was a good kick return 
punt return on Buffalo's behalf, and there was a great back of the field catch for a touchdown that kind of put the Bills ahead ultimately. Um, but uh, in your opinion, what is Miami's issue right now? And then also my second question for you is, are the Bills or the Ravens the team to beat in the AFC currently? Uh, for Miami, I, I think that their issues are that Tua is uh, not as good of a quarterback as his stats would indicate. I think he's a mediocre starter. I think he's a game manager type. I think he has a very weak arm, which makes him very limited. So he's also not very large in, in stature, and it seems like he struggles to see the field. So a lot of his production is from practice repetition and estimating when a wide receiver is going to be at a certain spot. So like anticipation throws, not necessarily him being able to see it. And then he relies heavily on uh, yards after the catch from his receiving group and his running backs. So I think that's one, one limiting factor. I think another limiting factor is I think that McDaniels is still learning as a head coach. He's still a young guy. I think that, he has a lot of flashy concepts, and when it works, it works. But I think when a team's find an answer for for that, there's no adjustment that I can discern, and Miami kind of flounders. So I think that they need to be able to make adjustments, be able to change the play calling when things don't work. I think they need to find other ways to make it work in-game. And that's one thing that's been holding them back. They've not been good against good teams, and good teams typically have good defenses, and they shut down what you do best and I, I just I think that there's something missing from Miami and I, I think that they need to be more of a run heavy team with the personnel that they have. I know everybody likes Tyreek. Everybody wants Tyreek to get two thousand yards, but I don't know if that's the best thing for the team. I think that they need to learn how to run out the clock as and not just run fast. Yeah, I think um next year they're they're gonna be fully healthy going into the year and we'll see if their game plan changes for next year. And the to address the Bills question, are the Bills the team to beat or the are the Ravens? Right now I, I think the Bills are. So I can't imagine any team that's going into the playoffs hotter than the Bills are right now. And to have your quarterback have three turnovers, have more turnovers and touchdowns, and still win the game against a playoff team, I think that's incredible. And kudos to Josh Allen for fighting through his own mistakes. Kudos to him for putting the team on his back. Um, he wasn't. They weren't getting anything done in the ground game. Miami. One of the few things that they did good was shut down the the ground game a little bit. But Josh Allen, just phenomenal, phenomenal game. And that's with the mistakes that he made. He still found a way to win. And I think that Miami should be feared uh, a little bit. But Buffalo people should be terrified of Buffalo at home. So I think it's going to be very, very interesting. And the playoffs. We are in a good spot. All right. Well, that does it for this episode of the Never Too Early Fantasy Football Podcast. Thank you all for downloading and listening to this episode. And please don't forget to like and subscribe. Please leave us a comment and share the show. Every little bit helps. You can find us on all podcasting apps by searching N2E Fantasy and with our handle at N2E Fantasy on all social media platforms. Please join our community and give us a follow. Until next time, take care of yourselves and remember, it's truly never too early for fantasy football. Thank you again. Thanks, everybody. Bye.